Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. Oh Lord, eternal Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege to sit here under your feet to hear your word. As we hear the message on the amazing cross, Lord, let the scrolls be open to us. Open the scrolls to us. Reveal yourself to us through the pages of scripture. Teach us your word. Impact and infuse yourself into us. As we hear your word, we are hungry for you. We are thirsty for you. Oh, Holy Spirit of promise, reveal Jesus to us. Let us have a better insight and encounter with you based on the finished work of the cross. Heal the sick. Save the lost. Deliver the afflicted. Inspire and encourage the despondent. Let your name be glorified. Let your people be edified. We thank you for such a privilege to hear your word. All glory be to your name, O living Father. In Jesus' name. And someone who believes shout a living amen. Amen. Shout a living amen. Amen. The content of every sound preaching is Christ and his cross. Any preacher who does not speak about Christ, whose message Christ is not the center of the message, is like a barber who doesn't cut hair. (laughs) We have only one message, and that message is Christ. And him crucified. Someone shout hallelujah. So this morning, Good Friday. There's no better message, I believe, to bring to God's people and all Christians and non-Christians all around the world who are watching us now, who watch us later, than to talk about the crucified Christ. The amazing cross. The amazing cross is a bloody cross. It's a blood-stained cross. I'm talking to you this morning about the amazing cross. The blood-stained cross. Someone shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, that in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Everyone. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. The power of God. Christ is the center of everything in Christianity. Christ is the center of every God-given message. Christ is the center of everything church. We have nothing to offer a a dying world. We have nothing else to offer a perishing world. But Christ, and guess what? Him crucified. 
That is the message of the church. The message of the church is one, and the message is Christ and Him crucified. It's called the gospel. For us not to get it confused, Paul defined what the gospel is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4, Paul said, Let me let me let me get it so clear to you. The gospel. He said, For I deliver to you first of all that which I also received. Say, I received. I received. Now this ties into the inspiration of the New Testament. He said, this thing that we are telling you, we didn't go and go to bed and thought about it. It was given to us. Amen. He said, I delivered you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Verse, verse 4, and that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. Say, that's the gospel. That's it. Christ died. We are talking about a crucified savior. That's the gospel. John chapter 14 verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except by me. Jesus is the only way to the father. Jesus is the only answer to humanity. Bible says, for God so loved the world. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Say, not perish. Say, not perish. perish. Hallelujah. God said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 12, I like what Peter said. Nor is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. There's no name. But the name of Jesus. The name. So that is why I said anything outside of Jesus, forget it. It's, it's none of the church. It's not part of the church. It's not a gospel. It doesn't matter how wise it sounds. It doesn't have to, uh, matter how sweet it sounds. We have to be careful. The gospel doesn't get eroded out of the church. By wise sayings and things that look very intellectual. Things that look very intelligent. It's not about intellectualism. It's about the cross. That's the truth. And so, Bible says that there is no other name. Say no other name. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5, it says that there is one God and one mediator between God and man. Let's read it loudly with boldness and confidence. Let's go! One mediator between God and man. One more time! The man Christ Jesus. Alright, there is one God. And that one God has only one mediator between him and men. And it's the man Christ Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, he says that for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Okay, That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Once you get into him, you become in him. Say in him. Amen. Say in him. Now let's go back to, so I'm just underscoring this point to know the centrality of Christ and his cross. It says in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm crucified with Christ. That's why we sang, said, we, the song, songwriter says that the cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. I am living a crucified life. 
Why the cross? What is so special about the cross? First Corinthians chapter 18, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness. When you read one of the translations, either New King James, I'm using King James, it says that for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Say perishing. perishing. Say perishing. perishing. Say it again. Perishing. perishing. So it's a present continuous term. It's not the perished. They are perishing, struggling, suffering. They are going down. They may look good outside, but they are imploding. <laughs> life is not okay. Man is not the answer to life. Everything looks exteriorly calm, cool, but they are perishing. There's no eternal security. Let's already read it out loud. Let's go. But to us who are being saved is the power of God. One more time. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. Now, why did he say it's foolishness to those who are perishing? Foolishness, the Greek word used translated foolishness sounds something like moros. That's where you get the word moron from. All right. So that Greek word moros means foolishness, stupidity, nonsense, absurdity, madness. (laughs) Hallelujah. The preaching of the cross is madness. Practically offensive to some people. To those who are perishing. It's crazy. How can you claim that all of humanity saved by a crucified conqueror. How can you claim that all of humanity was saved by a murdered savior? (laughs) How can you claim that the whole of humanity is saved by someone who died the death of a criminal? He was murdered. He was crucified. So the thief on the cross said that if you are a savior, then save yourself and save us too. It's very logical. What he said was logical. So to, to thinkers and philosophers, those who love things that sound wonderful, they find it very offensive. He said it's foolishness. Listen, we do not have to change the message. We should read it further. For the, the, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us which are saved, it is the power of God. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of, of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? In other words, God bypassed what people think sounds very great to use. God bypassed it. So then it looked foolish. Because that's not the means God chose to use. He chose to use a different means. So when you're thinking, for instance, to have anyone who has PhD or a professor 
automatically, when you say someone is a professor, automatically you know that the person must be very sensible. <laughs> for, for you to hear that a professor has decided that he's going to leave his wife because his wife is a witch. You people, ah, a professor. You understand what I'm saying? So that, that is why sometimes, can you imagine they, they tell you that there's a president of a, a certain nation and the president is an, is an illiterate. Really, people, people, man. We need a good president. Don't know at least this one was corrupt or funny. This one, but not an illiterate. It's going to ruin the economy. Am I right? So then, if you are looking for somebody great to lead a nation, at least you need someone who has certain level of understanding, who has worked with IMF or worked with UN, and you know, work in certain places. It's 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 it's, it's good. But Bible said God made the wisdom of this world foolishness. So the root that they think that this is the means to get to the ultimate, God said, I will not use that means. So then they, those who are there look at it, they go, no, this, this cannot be. No, this cannot be. This is foolishness. How can you tell me that? But Bible says that it pleased God. Look at the verse 21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It Please God, say please God. Say please God. That phrase really tickles my interest. It gets me excited as well. Said it it just that's what I want to do. In eternity before time. It please God by the foolishness of preaching to save those them that believe. The foolishness of preaching. And I told you earlier on that when I talk about preaching, we are talking about preaching of Christ, preaching Christ and the cross, or preaching the crucified Christ. That is why he started by saying that the message of the cross is foolishness. So this message, all right, God has a sense of humor. A message that looks foolish, that through messengers that look foolish. So the message sounds foolish. The messenger looks foolish. And the method also is foolish. That's why I said, I did not come with enticing men of one's wisdom. I did not come with eloquence. I came with something that will not appeal to you. The method. The method. Oh, you know, as for the method, it doesn't matter. Make sure the message is the same. But the method, use methods that people can appeal to. It appeals to people. The people God used, you will find out from this text. He said he has chosen the foolish, not many wise. Doesn't mean not any. He said not many. <laughs> he said not many wise, not many noble. Can you imagine if Prince Charles starts to preach? The number of people who will believe. Look at verse 26. For you see, you are calling my brethren. How that not many wise men after the flesh. Not many mighty, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not many noble, like Obama. But God has chosen the foolish things. Has chosen the foolish things of of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Verse 28. The base things of the world and the things that are despised, God has chosen. Yea, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no one. So he has chosen, can you imagine, the vessels God likes to use to reach out or to preach the foolish message. So-called. The vessels. Can you imagine? Some are even fishermen. 
Who wrote the Bible? Some, some were unlearned. Only Luke was a, med, was a medical doctor. So you can tell. He didn't say not any. Not many. Because if you are, listen, if you've got what puts you at the top and you come in God, it gives God a lot more work to do. Because you would think that it is your training, it is your education. That is why I don't quickly embrace the fact that Paul wrote many of the New Testament because he was learned. No! Drop that. He didn't write because he was learned. He wrote it because of his encounters. He had encounters with God. He said, this thing I'm telling you, it was given to me. He said in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 2, he says that how by revelation, this one no, one, no man taught me. Indeed, if you have heard the dispensation of the grace of God given to me for you, verse 3, look at verse 3, that how by revelation, he made known to me the mysteries. No one taught me that thing. it was given to me by revelation. And to the extent that in the first, second Corinthians chapter 12, he said, I know a man, he was caught up into the third heavens. And he said, there are things I saw which I can't tell you. So there was more Paul could say, but I couldn't say it. It wasn't because of his intelligence, but it's because of his revelation. It wasn't because of his eloquence, but it's because of his encounters. Shout yes! A man of God without encounters, I doubt your credibility. A servant of God without encounters, I doubt your usefulness or your impact. Moses met God. God said, go tell them. Go tell Pharaoh. Let my people go. He said, Pharaoh will not listen. I said, go. You have had an encounter. So when Moses was going before Pharaoh, he was not going as an ordinary man. He was not going as an ex-fugitive. He was going as a man with an encounter. Shout yes. Shout yes. In the book of Romans chapter 10, he said, how shall they call on him on whom they have not believed? How shall they believe? Verse 14. Whom they have not believed. How shall they believe in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? Now look at verse 15. How shall they preach? The value of your message, man of God, has everything to do with your encounters with God. Not your training. Though it's necessary. Not your eloquence. Though it may be good to a certain extent. But people don't get born again because the message was good. They got born again because the Holy Ghost worked on their hearts. Shout hallelujah. How can they preach except they be sent? Pastor, are you sent? Close the Bible from the pulpit. Get out the pulpit. Go into your closet. Go seek God. Get an encounter with God. Get a message from God. And send that message to his people. Because we are curious. We are not authors. We are curious. It doesn't come from us. It must come from somebody. Preaching. The Greek word for preaching has to do with heralding. Saying it. Saying it. So you are a speaker. You are a spokesperson on the behalf of your God. Hallelujah. Now, man of God, listen to this. If somebody is sent to bring you a message, why must he try and spray perfume on the message? Change a bit, remove something, spray a... You were sent with a message. Just go and deliver it. Why must a postman 
Go and repackage the. Go and tamper with it. Repackage it says the same content. But let me repackage it because the one who sent it didn't know how to package it. Is the address correct? Yes, the address is correct. Has he paid for posting everything? Yes, he's done. So what's your problem? Someone sends a postcard and say no, the postcard, what he has written, other people can read it. So let me go and repackage it, put it in a nice envelope, uh, a nice, a big one with flowers on it, because uh, Preacher, don't do that. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. And the word, the content of the word is Christ and him crucified. It may sound foolishness to some people, but guess what? Let them keep perishing. Those who have been saved, those who have been called, this thing is the power of God unto salvation. Shout yes! Shout yes! Oh, but you know, nowadays, in our modern days, and if you go some places and if you try and tell them about Christ, they don't mention Christ first. Don't say anything about Christ. Don't say anything about sin. Don't say anything about heaven. Don't say anything about hell. Don't say anything about the cross because the cross is very offensive. They won't understand the cross. They won't The devil is a liar. Excuse me. Bible says that it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching. That's preaching the cross. To save those who believe. Watch this. Bible says to the Greeks, to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. Because they were expecting a political leader who would bring them political freedom from the Roman rule. They were expecting someone like the way David. When they said son of David, they were expecting someone who come like David to save them from the Roman Goliath. That's what they were expecting. And then now you're coming to tell me this guy was crucified with thieves. Now, the, the death of the cross was the most heinous, hideous, obscene way of dying. Most shameful form of death in those times. To the extent, watch this. To the extent that no Roman citizen was allowed to be crucified. No, you can't crucify a Roman citizen. No matter their crime. It's, it's a serious problem to crucify a Roman citizen. Because it's, that kind of death is for terrorists. That kind of death is for people who are condemned. They don't even deserve to live. They, and then when they crucify you on the cross, usually no one even wants to identify with you. Your family members will come for you. So then they will take you and go and dump you. They don't bury people who are crucified on the cross. They go and dump them on the rubbish dump. So does it make sense when Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that he humbled himself even to the death on the cross from verse 6. He became obedient to death. Even the death, at least, or death is fine, but not the cross. Ah! Ah! The cross is too obscene. The cross is too nasty. The cross is too bloody. And you, now, you are telling me that it takes this bloody cross to save the world, to define the destiny, eternal destiny of all the uh, uh, human race. Oh, give me a break. That's rubbish. But Bible says that it pleased God that through the preaching of such rubbish. So, so to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. Don't be saying this. Our God cannot be like this. How can you be preaching to me a God who died? How can you be preaching a, a savior, a messiah? The messiah? They asked him. We know that when the messiah comes, he shall deliver us from the, uh, save us from all this oppression. So when are you going to do that? Jesus says, not for you. 
to determine what the power of God has put in. Acts chapter 1 verse 7. What God has put in his power. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come to you. Jesus said, it is not for you. But verse 7. Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Don't be asking me political questions. That's what they asked him. He said, will you at this, verse 6, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The disciples, oh. No, they were talking to a risen Jesus. After he died and resurrected, they are still thinking political. Who is going to win the vote this time? He said, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The kingdom that David left. Are you going to have that old Israel again? Because that's the Messiah. The Bible talks about how the kingdom of the world shall become the kingdom of our God. Where the rule of God in the latter times will descend and the whole world, God will rule and his people. So it was talking about eschatological times. The second coming of Christ. But they were so hungry for it, they were looking up. Ah, the Messiah, this is what the Messiah is going to do. Are you going to restore the kingdom? He said, I'm not, I'm not. So, for the ordinary Jew, it's offensive. They preach the cross. Look at verse 23 again of 1 Corinthians. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, what? And unto the Greeks. Greeks are looking, tell me something wise. Tell me something wise. Why are you telling me things that even anyone, a child can understand? No, no, no. Children can't even tell this. Tell me something better. So can you imagine some of you, you try telling your mother, try telling your father, try telling your brother, try telling your auntie, try telling your uh, uncle, try telling your boss, try telling your colleague, try telling your ex-boyfriend, try telling your ex-girlfriend, try telling your husband, try telling your wife, and some try telling your child about the cross. They say, oh, excuse me, <laughs> I'm above this. So it doesn't sound wise. It doesn't make sense. They want you to say something that, you know, the way the human anatomy is. And when you lie down and you lift up your right leg and you suspend yourself, it allows forces to flow through you. Magnetic waves of the earth from the north begins to flow through you and it helps the blood flow. They say, ah, yes. (laughs) Now you are making sense. So, they are perishing. And you come, they said, do you believe Jesus died on the cross for you? They look at you. And they tell you, are you still believing this kind of crap? <laughs> yeah, that nobody believes this. Those things are the, from the medieval peers. Nobody, my friend, be, be advanced, be civilized. For heaven's sake, grow up. What's that? And then they begin to you because to the Greeks this foolishness but look at verse 24 let's all look at verse 24 from the screen verse 24 says that but to those see 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 let let me show you something there's a point I want to make from here say the amazing cross cross. every way you turn it it's effective every way you look at it it's powerful it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing. It's amazing. Verse, verse 24 says that, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, 
the power of God and not just that, and the wisdom of God. Christ! The power of God and the wisdom of God. Watch this. The, the point I actually want to make here is that to remember in verse 23, it said, if you preach Christ to the Jews, you are making them stumble. If you preach Christ to the Greeks, you are insulting their intelligence. They will really be offended because what you are saying is crap. It's nonsense. It's idiotic. Why are you telling me this? So most of us, what we do is we, we keep quiet. And we go and find a nice perfume. Spray it on the... On the <laughs> spray it for you to look good. And then, so are you hungry? I can give you food. Are you, are, you, are you sick? Let me take you to my GP. I'll pay for your expenses. It's your house that I'll come and clean it for you. Brother. Brother. Brother, preach the gospel. The instant in season. And I don't change it. The mandate they gave us. Jesus gave us. He said, go into the world and make disciples. We are supposed to preach. That's how we make disciples. Does that mean when you do good things? It's good. Because, I mean, it's just sensible to be good. It's just sensible and rational and normal and Christian. So that's for good words, but that is not our objective. Anyone who comes close to us must find out that we are good. Must find out that we don't lie. People must do business with you and know that you won't dupe them. Christian brother. Christian sister. People must do business with you. They should be able to say that this one, if I rent my house to him, I know even if he's owing, he'll pay everything. I know if he tells me that, oh, tomorrow morning I'm coming, I'm bringing, if he gives me the check, he won't give me a check and he knows that there's no money, the check will bounce. Do it. Say the amazing cross. Amazing cross. <laughs> the cross is the only means by which a holy God can have a relationship with a sinful man. The cross is the only means by which a holy God can have a relationship with a sinful man. The cross. So, the verse 23 talks about how to some people, to the Jews, is a stumbling block. So, watch this. This is the point I was trying to make. If you are going to talk to the Jew and you don't want to them to stumble. You are going to talk to a Greek-minded person. And you don't, Jew connotes religious people. Greek, Greek connotes people who just want to use their brains and logical people. You know some people are very religious. So they want something very spooky. This is too, too simple. So am I safe now? No, no, no. You can't tell me this. I have to go and roll at the beach. I'll do something. I have to crawl. I have to, I have to wear a long white gown or something. I have to be given some small cups of real blood to drink it in the night and be doing yonga, 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 yonga. Shave all my hair and do yonga, yonga. They scrapple some things and cut me a bit. The blood comes out. They take it. And then Now, where are the candles? No candle. I need some candles. I need some white handkerchief. I want to see something. So, when you approach a Jew, 
they stumble at, at this thing with that. And when you approach a Greek, in other words, someone who wants philosophy, nice sounding arguments, into something that looks, listen, it doesn't mean that God can be intellectual. That's why I said not many wise. Not many wise. Not many rich. No, oh, this is why two points for the poor people. God, it has pleased God that he will use the best things of the world to confound the wise. Not many poor. Listen, for your information, I am not serving Christ because I'm hungry. We have gone past that stage. We have gone past that stage. We are not in church because we, need, we want a wife or we want a husband. We have gone past that stage. We are here because of the cross. We are here because we love Jesus. We are here because our hearts after God. Shout hallelujah. He says that to the Jew, a stumbling block, to the Greek, an offense is foolishness. Now watch this. The point I want to draw to somebody's attention here is if you think because they think it's foolishness, you won't do it. You won't say it. Someone who is Greek, who originally may think foolishness about this, who is Jewish, who originally may think stumbling block, which you don't want them to stumble, you don't want them to feel foolish. The Bible says that verse 24, but, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks. So let's say, these are the Jews. These are the Greeks. And I want to talk to you. And I don't want to mention the cross. Because it will offend, it will upset you, it will destabilize you, it will offend you. I do, and I don't want to offend you. I need to sound nice. Guess what? The chances are that those amongst the Greeks, those among the, which God has called, and the means God saved them is by the same cross. So even though many people, some amongst here, some here, many amongst here, many amongst here may think this is foolishness, yet those who are called suddenly, 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 the cross, the power of God. That is why he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. Shall power! To the Jew first, Romans chapter 1 verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed. The gospel, Christ came on earth. He died. He was crucified. He was buried and resurrected the third day. That's the gospel. And that's God's means, preferred, chosen, pleasurable means to save those who believe. The cross may look bloody. The cross may look offensive. The cross may sound stupid. The cross may sound idiotic, madness, craziness. The cross may sound childish. It may sound absurd. It may look offensive, obscene, absurd. But what the Bible said, it has pleased God to save those who believe through that means. Remember, said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Remember, he said, when I came to you, I did not come with enticing words of man's wisdom. I, did, I like the way he put it in the verse 2 and 3. He said, I did not want to know anything. I was not interested in knowing anything. I don't want to know about your car. Give me a break. Why must I be so interested in your income, in your salary, in your car? Why? Why? Am I a financial advisor? 
Why? Even if I was trained as the best financial advisor, once I am in my office as God's servant, when I'm dealing with you, shouldn't be focused on that aspect of your life. It's your eternal destiny that must be my focus. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 I'm about to say something. Those of you who want to do ministry full time, if you are a preacher, if you believe you are called a pastor, and you don't have the backbone, you don't have the audacity, you don't have the boldness, you don't have the integrity, you don't have the confidence to say, let your money perish with you. Satan will strangle you. Satan will choke your ministry. Every minister called should be able to turn his back to money as long as it will cross the cross. Amen. Say no to the money. Simon the sorcerer will make an offer. And a politician will use your platform because he has promised you he's going to give you a building or a land, a property to build university. So a politician will use your platform, the platform of the cross. Jesus died to save souls. He will use that for political purposes, for political gains. If you don't have the wits, if you don't have the backbone to say you and your money perish, Satan will suffocate, strangulate, and choke your ministry. And you will be realizing that why are things not working? It's because you have abandoned the cross and you are pursuing what men, men are pursuing. Separate yourself unto God. Stay strong for the word. Stick to the word. Don't peddle the word of God for profit. Do not peddle the word of God for profit. He said, when I send you, did you lack? I told you, don't take press. Don't take money. But God will provide. He said, a laborer is worthy of his wages. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. A laborer is worthy of his wages. A laborer is worthy of his wages. And he said, don't muzzle the mouth of the ox that treaded down the corn. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 downwards. Paul said, you see, when God wrote, did you think he was thinking about the ox? No. You are thinking about the preachers. Yes, yes. And he says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, verse 5 and 6. He says, the husbandman who labors hard who must be the first to partake of the fruit. The hardworking farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. Pastor! Labor in the word! That's it! Acts chapter 6 verse 4 says, But we will give ourselves continually to the prayer and the ministry of the word. Let's say it again. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Ministry of the word. Stay true to the cross. It may not sound popular. But we are not called to be popular. Church, don't try to impress people. Hold the cross. The cross is an amazing cross. The very thing that people... See, the sad thing is that to those who are perishing, they, they, you know they are perishing. They know. All is not cool. My Bible says to those who are perishing, it is foolishness. But to those who are saved, listen, the salvation there 
It's talking about being saved. Watch this. I think there's a great man of God who wrote a book some years ago. He said, save from what? Save from what? Save from God. <laughs> save from the judgment and the wrath of God. And it is only God who can save us from him. You didn't get what I said. It is only God who can save man from God. And he chose to use the cross to save us. I stand here this morning. And I tell you. That the old cross still works. Oh, it works. We don't need a new cross. I know we are based in a place called New Cross. But we don't need a new cross. The old ragged cross. The old ragged cross. The old ragged cross. The old ragged cross. It still works. It still works. It still works. The cross works. The blood is still speaking. 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 For there is one God and one, one mediator between God and man. Even the man Christ Jesus. There is one God. There is no other name given unto men by which we must be saved. Except the name Jesus. 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 Now our, our overarching scripture for this season. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. Does that make sense? When Paul said, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Christ Jesus, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Sister, let your boasting, your point of reference not be just your beauty. Brother, let your point of reference, your boasting not be just in your handsomeness, the way you are able to dress. And the, the, the labels you wear. Let, let, let your point of boasting, let your point of confidence not be in your education, not be in your social status. Yeah, you have money. Let your boasting, not your confidence, not be in anything. He said, watch this. First, uh, Galatians, that's the, that's the overarching scripture. I'm ending on this. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. Put it on the screen, please. He said, but God forbid that I should boast. God forbid. Why should I make my com- this my confidence? My job? No. My house? No. My car? No. My beauty? No. My contacts? No. My makeup? No. No. My wife, no. My husband, no. My education, no. My background, no. Say, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross. 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 If you are a Christian and you boast about every, every other thing except the cross, you are misplaced. You have betrayed your birthright. You have betrayed your identity, spiritual identity. Any Christian, and I'm sad to say, it easily has eroded or has eluded the church. And many of us, 
the cross amongst many Christians in many churches, not intentional, not because people are bad, but there's a way worldliness can creep in. And we are supposed to be crucified to the world, but we are right now crucified. We have turned our back to the cross. We are getting into bed with the world. And the cross has been eclipsed in churches. There is an eclipse of the cross in many, 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 many churches and Christian homes. But this Good Friday, I brought a message. Please. Unveil the cross. Stick to the cross. Hold on to the cross. Cleave to it. Let it be your point of confidence. Let it be your point of reference for boasting. Your point of, if you boast, say, God forbid that I should boast. Save in the cross of Christ, my Lord. I pray that Paul is blessing on this word. May this word bear fruits in our lives, in our hearts, and all over the world. Anybody who is watching, I pray that this word will bear fruits in our ministries, bear fruits in our communities, bear fruits in our, in our families, bear fruits everywhere we find ourselves, so that anyone who sees us, they know we are the people of the cross. We are the people of the cross. Yes, the cross may look foolishness, may sound foolish, may look foolish, may look absurd. Yes, we admit the cross is bloody. Yes, we admit the cross is of sin. Yes, we admit the cross is shameful, but it is at the cross where we had our liberty. It is at the cross where our sins were forgiven. It's at the cross where everything changed. It's at the cross where Christ took our sins and gave us his righteousness. Someone who believes, shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. If you are not saved, you are not safe. Because life is dangerous. Life is not under your command. I don't see why I should end this service without giving you an opportunity to say, yes, Lord. Pastor, pray with me because I want to have this bread. It means I want to put all my confidence in him, all my hope in him. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that is your genuine desire, just lift up your hand and say this after me. Say it genuinely from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. I ask you, to forgive my sins. Wash me with your blood. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross to save me. From today, I will serve you. I believe in you. I put all my hope in you. I put my faith in you as my Lord and personal Savior. I receive you into my life. I make a vow with you that I will serve you all the days of my life. Satan, get behind me. I don't belong to you. I belong to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. Your word says that you know your sheep and your sheep know your voice. No one can come to you except your father brings him. I pray that let your grace be upon them. Help them to be strong. I pray that the grace of God will come upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and help you to be a strong Christian. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.